growth, the process of increasing with size, synonymous with expansion, development, progress, and advancement. Merriam-Webster Dictionary. In the month of November, November the 1st to be precise, when I gave myself the chance to grow, expand, develop, progress, advance. A thing must exist in order for it to grow. That's what I've come to find out. This is the Leader Process Podcast, but this is not the situation room. It's not what you expect, but it's all, all so you. How are you? How is everyone? I hope you're doing well. Um, I'm doing okay. <laughs> lots and lots of life things going on, um, but we do our best. So this week, I'm here to unpack some of what we talked about last week. Why? Well, someone, a friend, on listening to the most recent episode told me that that was a lot to unpack. And I was like, okay, yeah, that might be true. Um, Because we took five really massive ideas and themes and we just put them all together in one episode. So I thought, yeah, it stuck with me. Our conversation proceeded to wind down what 2020 has been like for each of us personally. And then I said something that I say often. I said that being a human is hard and that it's also a full-time job. To which they responded that I should try and unpack that also on the podcast, especially for people like you guys who are here, who are doing their best to do well in their teams, to do well in their groups, to do well in their communities, and those of you who are working hard to lead those communities. And I thought, well, did you guys feel that way? Like, was there too much in there? And I thought about myself and whether I had unpacked some of those things. And I may not have done it. So I'm here for that to unpack those effects so that we have, I guess, more visibility on those big themes. To unpack anything, I use questions. I am more and more convinced that the skill of asking good questions is one that we could all use. We could all use, especially in an age like this with big ideas and big sweeping concepts and big, well, big everything. So... I think that asking high quality questions is is going to be key going forward because I believe that curiosity and invention and discovery lies in asking good questions. Questions are unlike lists and lists. Well, those of you who are here probably know about lists. It's a big term in the productivity world or just the idea of getting things done at home or at work or in your passions or anywhere really. I prefer questions simply because, well, there is no pre-existent layup of what is or what should be questions because they come with open-mindedness as opposed to lists. Why am I making this comment? Because a lot of us, when we are learning how to review or reflect on our lives and on our year, we look at lists of goals or pictures of goals And we want to see whether the picture we live in in the moment is the picture that we put up on the vision board or whether the things that we listed on our 
goals list for 2020 is what we have in the present day. And as someone who has spent quite a bit of time doing my best to accomplish my lists, I know that the frustration that can come with looking at that list and looking at your life can be overwhelming. And so I... I prefer questions and you may not agree with me on on that whole view, but I prefer questions. So where do we start? I think I'll start by saying that I'm not going to tell you what questions to ask. The questions that I'm going to discuss here, you don't have to look through them at all for any reason. I will, however, show you how I go about asking questions and how I've learned over the years, leading teams, leading individuals, practicing those qualities and trying to get people from one point to another. I've just, I've practiced asking questions and, and I've discovered and I've learned things that I could not have known if I asked a low quality question. So instead of going through all of them, I picked three of what may be the biggest ones. And so I'll begin with one of them, but before I do, I also want to say that the reason why I prefer questions is because for leaders, for people in those kinds of positions, everything feels big. So I went to the dictionary and I checked the meaning of the word big, and it says of considerable size or extent or seriousness or importance. And isn't that everything? Everything is either occupying space or taking up a lot of time or room in our minds and in our hearts or a lot in our minds and it's serious and everyone is treating it as something important and you feel that pressure and sometimes when you look at big things, you don't know where to start. So, questions. Social media, social justice and 2020. Well... My questions here were, what do I think about the world and why? I think as as we continue to live in this 21st century world, we continue to be exposed to different cultures, different societies, because we have social media, because we have platforms like YouTube where all sorts of content is there. I remember yesterday or the day before, discovering what's called the British Film Institute, which is like an archive of old, old, old films, including films that were made in my country, Kenya, during colonialism in a time where Kenya didn't have the resources to store its own film. And it's archived with them. And I went down a rabbit hole and I found myself watching really old 1970s films shot in like one camera, singular panning motions. And it was a whole other world for me. And I was reading the comment section of that YouTube video and seeing people who claim to be elderly and who claim that that film concerning a town called Brighton reminded them of, well, their lives. And I thought, wow, here I am, never having been anywhere remotely close to that town, but watching a film and seeing people testify to its truthfulness. And I thought, wow, now I know something about a small town or maybe not so small town, I could be wrong. But I know something about it that I never would have known had there not been media. And I think that's how most of us are being shaped, our worldview. 
is being shaped that way, you know? Pictures and videos of people living their lives from across the world. And then you have the phenomena of big media and of corporations coming into the social media space and working with people who are making content in the social media space and seeing how narratives can be spun and realizing that a lot of us don't even know entirely what we think about the world because insidiously and almost in an unseen way the things that come at us through media we have inculcated into our minds as true and as standard and as the way that the world works and so my one big question was what do I think about the world and why I think that it's fascinating to see that as much as we have so many different ideas going around in the world, that there's a growing hostility against divergence with ideas. And I think that was something that I personally observed this year while looking at how social media was used for some of the really big movements. And I thought to myself, in, in, in a time like this, when... In particular, I watched someone that I knew um, have a contrarian view to a very popular um, movement that took place in 2020. And she had a contrarian view and she expressed her contrarian view and she was attacked and insulted and lynched um, in, 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 a, in a social media sense. And she took down the post because of the harassment. And I thought to myself... This feels to me out of balance. It feels to me like we continue to enter a time where we're all supposed to think the same about issues. And I'm not defending a way of thinking that is unjust or that is likely to produce negative outcomes. But I am defending the idea that you can have a discussion with someone without lynching them and without destroying them and making them feel worthless even if they differ with you, because what do you really think about the world? Are those, do you know what you think about the world, essentially? So that's my big question for social media. The next one that I picked out of the five was mental health, physical health, and wellness. And the question that I chose was, what do you have access to and what can you sustain? I think... As, as I've grown and as I've become more aware of my person and my body and what I've thought about myself, and as, again, media has helped me see the whole world of body, all these body-based movements, so body positivity and issues around fat shaming, I've, I've come to observe how the body as well can be thought of in so many different ways. And I remember being in a in a virtual networking session and one of the questions we were supposed to ask each other was, what new skill have you learned over quarantine? And generally I had not learned a new intellectual skill, but I was learning skills concerning my physical fitness because I also believe that those are skills. I think the quality of a push-up, the quality of a plank the quality of a deadlift, the quality of a squat lift, the quality of a bench press, the quality of a downward facing dog, the quality of a pigeon pose, the quality of any movement is 
well is you learning and building the skill around how to execute it. And I thought the problem, my problem in particular with observing the fitness industry or observing fitness trends and fitness moves etc was the accessibility of things in a time where money was so tight i saw people wake up more often and 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 go outside and run and go outside and walk because well there wasn't enough money to buy new things and i thought to myself that's interesting because it's also possible for fitness in an urban setting to be the preserve of those with extra income, you know? And I thought to myself, I think more than anything else, and you you learn this when you read about how habits are formed, you learn that it it when you're starting something new, you need the lowest resistance, because if the resistance is low it means you are likely to repeat the action and i know that's within the framework of rewards and triggers but i think the ease of going into something is such a big part of it i know i've severally considered the idea of going to a gym and where i live there is no gym close by and someone once told me that it's a good idea to get a gym close by because if you have to get on transportation to go all the way to the gym, then it's less likely that you will find it easy enough to do it. And so you might altogether skip it. And so I want to ask you, what do you have access to? So that you can stop spending time wishing and and dreaming and fantasizing, I guess, even about what you don't have and what you could do if you did have. And I just want to ask you what you have access to so that that way you're not feeling stuck with what you don't have. And my second question for that, which really is like a part B of the same question, is what can you sustain? I think when it comes to, again, disciplines of which mental health and and and. and physical health are more as soon as you learn them like the skills of mental health and the skills of physical health the next thing is to sustain them and you want something that you can easily access but something you can keep going and I wanted to say that so that when you consider your regimens whatever your mental health and physical health regimes are you can consider sustainability so that you are flexible within that whole realm of trying to develop wholesome health and should you be tired of i don't know running the treadmill every day you can try running outside um if that's accessible to you and should you be running of lifting you can i don't know um do pilates and and kind of try different movements because i think that a, a a big variety is variety is always a better option when it comes to sustaining habits just because we are humans we get bored and one way to deal with um boredom because boredom is a big one when it comes to quitting habits especially in the beginning um being able to mix things up and the freedom to do other things as long as they have that productive healthy outcome for you is a big deal and now I realize that I sound like a health blogger. 
or a health content creator. I'm not. I just think that health is such a big discussion in the general realm of personal leadership. And I think that accessibility and the advantage of variety for sustainability is 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 indispensable. So those are my two big questions for that. My third question, my third theme rather, and what I think will be my final one is on learning and productivity. And there's many, many ways to think about productivity and the tactics towards it. But often I found that sometimes I'm not, I'm, what am I trying to say? That sometimes my productivity is low, not because I don't have the tools or I don't have the skills, but because I don't have the capacity. So I would ask you, do you have the capacity to produce more? And when I say capacity, I want you to imagine a room. I want you to imagine a room and get a sense for what is in the room. Is your room, assuming your room is, is, is your mind, is, is your whole person, is the room full? Is it overflowing with stuff? Um, or is it completely empty and, and you're struggling to create any form of life therein? The reason why I say the whole thing about capacity is because sometimes to do better work, we need to be the kind of people that can do better work. Um, and sometimes that has more to do with the way that we think about ourselves. It has more to do with our self-awareness and our self-perception. It has more to do with our self-confidence and our whole worldview around work and the value of work and what we bring to the table i think i've been victim personally to the whole issue of not thinking that in a professional setting and even in a creative setting like this podcast that i was not i was not the the star of the situation and i say that not because we're supposed to be looking to be stars but because i thought someone else did something more valuable for the organization or for this work than I did and how surprising is that considering that this podcast well this is this podcast was started by yours truly and yet somehow I thought to myself oh I'm not the one doing the best job and my self-perception the way that I was thinking about myself the way that I've been thinking about my work, the way that I've been thinking about my contribution at work has been affected by low self-esteem, has been affected by a waning, waning confidence, has been affected by comparison, has been affected by fear, has been affected by anxiety, has been affected by worry and by doubt. And for those reasons, no matter how much time I had and how many lists I wrote, I got the job done, but was it really quality work? And so the reason why this is the question I want to leave you with is because you already probably have the lists and you already probably have the tools and you have the mantras and you have all of that stuff. But the truth, another aspect of the same truth is you could be hindering your own productivity because of not confronting the things that make you feel inferior I think that when we think of ourselves rightly, and that doesn't mean thinking of yourself as superior, it just means measuring yourself accurately 
based on your skills and your capacity and what's been given to you. If you measure yourself properly, it can give you a sense for what you really can do. And so when I ask about productivity, I want you to think about it that way. So this actually happens to be the end of this episode. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that it's kind of given you a sense of what it's like to ask a better question. Don't ask a base question. Ask a question that has the opportunity to open a door for you. Usually, you've already gone through the basic questions, which is who, what, when, where, and how. But then you are harnessing your knowledge and using those beginner questions to ask another layer of questions, which are discovery questions, which are open questions, questions that open doors and allow you to think differently. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I surely have enjoyed talking to you. Um, We're almost coming to the end of the year and I hope you're doing well. I hope you stick with it. I hope that your Christmas preparations are coming well if that's a thing for you. And if not, I hope that your rest and, and you taking time off work is coming well. I hope that you are taking time to look back not on a list and not on a vision board necessarily it's okay if you are a list and vision board person but for those of us who have struggled with using lists and vision boards because of how often we never got anything on those done i hope that this idea of asking questions that help you open doors in your mind help you think differently about your present for the sake of your future. I hope that this was productive and useful. I will see you next week. Bye.